the main two that we've used are Google and, and Facebook. Um, like you know, most most com- you know most tech companies, um, and we, one of our you know internal criticisms is that we that we left acquisition too late um, because it took so long to serve customers at the beginning. Um, we had demand um, from you know just a sprinkling of Facebook ads in the beginning was 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 effective uh, at keeping us at capacity, and so we've had to manage capacity um, for the first certainly for the first 18 months, that was something that we had to be very careful with and, and, and basically we were at capacity. Hello and welcome to the Digital Spaceship Podcast, a marketing journal hosted by Blue Drop Studio co-founder Anna Rowinska and myself, Omar Juman. This podcast has one vision and that is to educate, inform and inspire others who are trying to build their tech brand. Tune in and listen to us chat ideation, marketing, scaling, and everything in between with up-and-coming entrepreneurs, stakeholders, and investors in tech startups across the world. We'll be diving into the details and also hearing about the journey. So without further ado, let's jump into this week's episode. In this episode, we're speaking with Jasper, co-founder at Pact. Pact is a travel tech startup that helps you plan the best holiday for your friends, family or teammates by helping you organize yourselves, find the right option and book without hassle. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Digital Spaceship podcast. Uh, today we're talking to Jasper from Pact. Um, lovely to have you on the show, Jasper. Thank you very much for taking the time to speak with us. Um, give us uh, a bit of a background on yourself and uh, introduce Pact for us. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. Well, thanks for having me on. Um, of course. We so Pact is a group travel company. So we help you spend more time with your favourite people by making it easy to organise yourselves, um, find the right option, and mm. um, book without hassle. Um, so we launched three years ago. Um, before that, I kind of always wanted to run my own business, um, but leaving uni didn't really have any kind of didn't have a great idea uh, mm-hmm. probably didn't have the confidence to pursue one if I did mm. um, but it was always my intention and I thought okay I don't have a good idea but I might as well you know put some skills together that will be useful when a good idea comes along so mm-hmm. I went and qualified as an accountant for my sins uh, as you do yeah and uh, so I, I, I did that for four years then moved to a um, small business to go and like look after the finances from the inside um which is obviously a different thing to to working for a financial services firm um and that's where i met my now co-founder um who was you know taking the mickey out of me for being the finance guy and and i kind of (laughs) told him this story um and he was like he was like you know actually i've been thinking about something um and you know i was keen i thought it was a good idea and, and and the rest is history yeah, awesome. So um, how long ago did you guys launch? So we launched in September 2017. Um, having started sort of conversations and like establishing the business in a- back in April, that was when we were still working full time together. Um, in September of that year, um, we kind of broke the news to our then boss, who um, whose reaction um, meant that we, we left immediately and um, and so we were straight into it and that yeah. was um you know pretty exciting yeah definitely uh, yeah. interesting um so you mentioned that you've got more of a, an accounting background then so um in terms of you you know you've got a, another co-founder what are sort of the roles and responsibilities that you guys juggle between yourselves 
Yeah, so we um, it kind of happened organically. We just as we were thinking about the business and what we wanted to, it to be, and you know, you have lots of different conversations, and gradually you realise whose skills set is most suited to different aspects, and mm-hmm. obviously you can't pay someone straight off the bat to perform all of the areas of the business effectively straight away. So you have to kind of learn. And um, obviously I was looking after the finances. That was fine. But I always found marketing quite interesting, especially digital marketing. And so I kind of just rolled my sleeves up and kind of just self-taught, um, you know, everything I've, I've learned so far um, and kind of we just worked it out as, as we went. And uh, Tom, he was uh, more naturally technical. He, you know, taught himself some basic coding and, and gradually we've kind of moved, you know, we've kind of, at the beginning, it's all messy. You've got so many things to worry about and you kind of do what you can. And gradually we've just kind of got better at our constituent parts. And we've over time brought in experts to help us in various areas as, as you do. And um, now it, it kind of works quite nicely. I look after finance and marketing. Um, Tom looks after the product um, and our other um, partner, Ed, he, um, he's like, the op- he looks after operations. Um, and that's kind of how it's divvied up at the moment. Cool. And in terms of Pact, then, uh, what's sort of your North Star metric? Would that be how many trips um, users have booked with you guys? Or, or is it how many users you have on the platform? Uh, well, it changes over time. Um, at the moment, um, so it's, it's difficult. That North Star metric has had to change because obviously travel has, had to, has changed quite a lot over the last couple of months. Yeah. Um, so to answer that question, I kind of have to go into a bit more detail about what, how we kind of got to where we are. Yeah. Because, um, you know, we launched, my Swift was a WhatsApp and messenger enabled, um, travel service. Um, and the premise was that the online travel space is dominated by huge, like meta search, um, you know, websites with millions of options. Yeah. So there's no real human interaction in, um, involved in booking. And, and actually there's so much choice is overwhelming. Um, so it actually takes longer to book a trip than it did when you just used to walk into a high street travel agent. Um, and also everyone chats to each other in WhatsApp all the time. So why not chat to a, a business um, that way? Um, coupled with the fact WeChat um, <clears throat> is, um, is like a beefed up social media version of WhatsApp in, sure. um, in Asia that there's billions of commerce goes through every, every, every year now and it's growing and chat is on the, on the, you know, on the, sort of it's in, it's in the plans for, for, for Facebook as well. So um, all these things kind of led us towards chat-based commerce um, and we launched without a clear view of basically of what, of what we were going to sell and who to really, other than it was for time poor people who want to go and spend time with their friends and family, um, but don't want to spend hours in the research phase. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, and then we had a really good response um, and particularly the customers that loved us the most were those where it was a big group that they were trying to organize a trip for. Okay. So if you're organizing a big group trip, you've got three main challenges. One, finding an option for more than 10 people is quite tricky online. Um, and um, so we solved that by, you know, you just chat to us, tell us what you're looking for and we'll find you relevant options to save you all that hours of research and form filling and, um, you know, email back and forth with whoever it is that you're dealing with. Um, the other thing is, um, payment. If you've got a big group, usually one person, the organizer who's taking it upon themselves to do all of that research and organize the trip, um, then also has to pay for the whole thing up front, <clears throat> which, um, you know, isn't great. And then you've got the awkwardness of chasing each other. So we solved that 
by, you know, everyone pays separately when they book a trip with us. Um, and so, you know, groups were really, you know, we were, our service was really popular with groups. So we thought, like, you know, that kind of when we shifted our focus towards groups and started thinking, what are the other um, problems that they face? And so at this point, our North Star metric is just bookings, essentially. It's like how many groups um, or how many passengers book, you know, through us. Yeah. Uh, but then as we were thinking how else we can help, one of the other big challenges, because we did like focus groups and spoke to loads of people who organized group trips in the past. Um, one of the other big challenges is organizing a group and getting um, commitment on dates, destination, um, budget, um, and just build, forming a plan. Uh, and usually that's left to chaotic WhatsApp groups. And you know, if, you're, if you've been that person organizing a stag do or a hen do or a big family trip, you felt the pain of trying to coerce people into telling you when they're available and, and yeah. not just send you silly memes here and there that's completely irrelevant. <laughs> um, and, and so we thought we can solve this with, with an app, um, which we then launched in October uh, 2019, so very recently. Uh, and that is essentially, it's a bit like Doodle, um, which you might be familiar with, Easy Scheduling, um, but designed specifically with group trips in mind. Um, and so as the group organizer, you would set up a trip, you put in a selection of dates, destinations, budgets, um, and then invite your friends in to vote and signal which ones they're available for and, and, and what they can make. So you can just see clearly what everyone wants to do. And then it's also helpful because you can request everyone's dates of birth and, and dietary requirements. You've got all that in one place when it comes to wow. booking. Um, and so we thought, you know, this is another really useful tool for us to help in the, in the group travel space. Um, and so we launched that in, in, um, like I say, at the end of 2019, um, just as a free tool that people can use to help to, to organize themselves. And then if they wish, they can then come in and, and, and chat to us and we can help them put the trip together. Um, so that kind of blended our North Star metrics. So what, you know, what do we math, what care, what do we care about the most? Um, you know, at the time, we were, we were um, having loads of conversations with VCs and we, and we kind of recognized that the interest from a VC will come when we've got this, this app that's scalable and the user base can grow rapidly, virally. Um, if, we can get, if we can latch onto that, that's where a huge scale will come from. So users on the app suddenly became more important than um, how many bookings we make. But sure. the bookings are sustaining the business and keeping us alive. Yeah. And, and we're not necessarily monetizing users of the app. Um, so it, it was difficult um and um really we kind of had two um, yeah sure and uh, as we come out of this hopefully out of this pandemic we're, we're kind of focusing more on bookings um but hoping that the the app can start to contribute to those to those bookings absolutely i, I think that's such an incredibly valuable insight there you know just being able to launch with one idea but then understanding that maybe the way for scaling is through you know developing an app or, or as a separate idea and that has evolved from the needs that your customers have been experiencing and the problems yeah. that they've had um so being able to be like versatile and, and have the ability to actually take that feedback on analyze it and then create a new product around that i think it's it's super important and integral for success um it's it's really interesting you say so that you know prior to having the app um developed and created um you know you were trying to get some interest for vcs and and i, I guess this was 
part of the solution for that. So were you guys funded prior to developing the app or are you guys funded at this stage? And I'm sure between November 2019 and now, um, it's been a very difficult time to sort of pitch for investment. So how does that look like for you guys over at Pat? Uh, yeah, so we um, were self-funded uh, initially. Um, awesome. We put our, our own savings in and just worked um, without a salary for basically a year and a half. Um, mm-hmm. I to, you know, did a bit of contracting work on my finance stuff. Um, sure. My business partner, Tom, moved home, um, mm-hmm. left London, moved home with his mum in, uh, in Loughborough um, yeah. as a 32-year-old. Um, <laughs> so we made some sacrifices. Absolutely. And then, and then um, we began basically the initial we knew that well, we didn't know but sales immediately were, f- were fairly solid and that sustained us for a good 18 months but i'd say after about right. after about 10 to 12 months we started looking for funding from angel investors um and it just takes a long time yeah and longer than we really wanted it to and so we we ultimately raised an angel round in the end of 2018 um off the back of a plan to develop the app mm-hmm. and become you know synonymous with group holidays um and we used that funding to to continue to improve the service as it was but also to to build the app and bring that in as a as an offering okay um, awesome and and is um so now you guys have the app is is vc investment something that you're going to be looking at or yeah so we were looking at it um and we we had loads of conversations um some very positive uh, in fact one in particular came down to the wire really um and then COVID-19 started um, yeah. just ripping across Europe. Yeah. And um, so we, you know, we, we had to dial that back and we, and we, and we were also thinking, um, I think one of the challenges we had as well was it's not fair really just to say that COVID-19 was the reason we didn't raise a VC round. It was also that we weren't quite ready. We weren't in a place where scale is, is um, you know, kind of you can pour it in and you're going to get more out kind of. Sure. Uh, so we went, back and started looking for um angels with specific travel experience um or um app experience mm-hmm. and um we were fortunate to find um some great ones um and basically we were we, were, we had um a good amount agreed um as then COVID 19 was coming in and uh that was a, a hectic time and ultimately we managed to we managed to close half of that amount um which was enough to see us through this down period and and hopefully out the other side wonderful um and you mentioned that you know you guys you made some sacrifices you worked pretty much without a a salary for over a year and a half um so at at what point i imagine it was very much just yourself and your co-founder for that initial period but at, at what point did you say all right cool this is this is enough work that we have on our plates and there are other things that are popping up now as we develop um the brand as we start to acquire more customers um you know when did you start building a team and and what did that initial team look like was it more um let's say development focused product focused or or was it like marketing focused how did that look like um yeah so so we we actually did um we employed someone as a um like a travel planner Mm -hmm. um before we paid ourselves because we were constantly basically organizing a group trip for anyone is, is really time consuming and it kind of, it kind of was for us too. Um, and the processes in, that were initially in place just meant it took forever and gradually we've managed to improve those processes and make it smoother and faster so that it hasn't been such a, a drain on time. Um, 
So that was the first hire we made was a travel planner, someone who could come in and help lift that burden because that was, you know, 80% of the whole team's time. Um, and then um, as we grew, we, we had, you know, we got another. And um, because again, that was still just the main like drain on, on, on time. Um, and then when it comes to product and to marketing, we um, basically just relied on um, contractors here and there when we've needed them. Um, and they brought, you know, expertise, um, you know, content, uh, just various skills that we've needed. We've, we've brought them in when we've needed them. And um, because that, you know, gives you the flexibility. You can't always, you know, revenue is not guaranteed in the early yeah. stages. So you can Absolutely. Like, take on someone full time is quite a big, you know, it can be a risk. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's a very big commitment. Yeah. Um, so what does the, the team look like now? So now there are four of us. Um, Myself, um, business partner Tom and Ed, um, and then um, another full-time um, planner. So awesome! Yeah, yeah, cool. And I guess you know that that leads us nicely into talking a little bit about the brand. Then, so I know you mentioned that you um, taken in a couple of, of contractors and stuff. Of course, the the digital presence you guys have and, and the website is actually really well designed. It looks really good, and I, I like the logo yeah. and everything. Um, you know, from a brand identity and visual point of view, it's it's actually really good. Um, it stands out, I think, and it it fills, I think, a bit of a void, especially from the the design. Um, point of view there's a lot of messy travel booking platforms out there um so how did you guys approach that did you you know did you from the very beginning did you say all right this is what our brand is going to look like we're going to draw up a logo and here are the values that we want to sort of portray through that logo and then that lent itself to the design of the website or um you know did you work with an external agency how did that process develop yeah, so that was one of the first big challenges, really, because it's something that neither of us had any experience of, not none of us. Um, but um, we have friends who one worked for was just a marketing strategist for Havas and had to keep contacts um, in, in you know both design and branding. And when we basically just had, even it was just like one of the evenings and weekends jobs where you kind of all get together and decide, okay, just go through the process of. I can't remember exactly how we did it, but it was a long-winded process of what you're know, thinking about your voice, thinking about your personality, thinking about who your customers are. Um, and it was all new uh, and we just kind of walked through it. We knew it was important, but we didn't really know how to do it. We've yeah. actually um, just redone it. So, yeah. so, so um, I've got a clear idea of how, how that, what happened. Uh, I can remember it more clearly. Um, but, you know, there's, load, there's so much guidance online and, um, and like I said, we just had we were fortunate to have friends who who helped us in that respect sure did you did you work with the the same um consultants and external partners on the rebrand or was that uh, a separate um we did use the same designer yeah um who's helped us kind of since day one cool um he's been great and um then we, in terms of the rest of the branding strategy, no, we just kind of used online resources because by then, you know, this is two years in, we were quite, you know, we, we, we liked our brand as it was. Um, but the main issue we changed it was the name wasn't um, serving us. Like the, my Swift was without an I. So we, you know, if you, it just meant people couldn't spell it and there were issues like that. Um, and we want, and it was, you know, we didn't set out to be a group travel company, but 
well, that's kind of what we've become. So we needed something that was relevant to group travel. Um, and, you know, it was just brainstorming and a lot of, we need to do this, but we just, there are other priorities and we kind of meant to do it for 18 months um, and then eventually did it. Um, and by then we just had a clearer picture of what we stand for, what customers are like, you know, we, we, you get feedback from customers, from friends. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so that has fed, um, the kind of latest and there's still you know we, we've actually when i say because we did the rebrand but it was kind of we just wanted to change the name and it was quick and dirty really um over the last couple of months we've done a proper you know we've given a lot more thought to our brand as a whole and, and bringing it up to date and, and we're gonna we're actually gonna put that whole thing on the website over the coming weeks um right Great. So um, obviously, you know, like in, in your case, you guys didn't really have the sort of in-house expertise on, on the branding side. So if you were compared the process of coming up with the initial branding and identity to the, the rebrand that you guys went through, knowing your customers a little bit more and then, you know, having a clearer idea of what type of um, customer you're after, how would you compare that? the process internally was that um much more clear for you or were there more challenges maybe um well those kind of conversations you have around brand we've learned are you know fractious everyone's got different you know you hope you've got some (laughs) some like guiding principles that you agree on but everyone's got such strong opinions on the the smallest things yeah um so I'd say it's probably more challenging the second time, but the first time it was more just bewildering, you know, yeah. no experience. There's so many other things that you're trying to work out. Um, it was like, well, we need this. But yeah, I like the sound of this. And we all kind of just went with it. Yeah. Um, whereas this time, stronger opinions, more debate. Um, yeah, I'd say that was the difference really. And was the, the sort of the set of stakeholders in that project bigger to compare with the first one so did you have more people contributing to that conversation because the more cooks you know there is can yeah. be a tricky one as well well yeah we did exactly yeah we did certainly um more investor stakeholders because last time was just the founders and um some friends who you know want to help us but their feelings toward and obviously they want it to be a success but um the real like challenge comes it was there was more debate this time because there's more people invested in it yeah um, having you know with stronger feelings about it yeah um yeah it can be definitely very very tricky but um that sort of leads me on to another question which is so there's one side to branding which is coming up with the identity and coming up with the tone of voice and who you speak to and then there's the way in which the brand lives online like on social media uh on the website so in terms of the social media and digital presence, was that more of a gradual process of figuring out how that identity, that new identity and that new name and then maybe even tone of voice looks like and works across? Or did you, within that brief for the rebrand, have a clear understanding, okay, we're going to be doing social media content, so we'll need you know maybe templates for that type of content and um, that type of posts? Yes, we, yes, we did. The first time, no, we didn't. This time, um, we kind of knew which social channels we were going to be, you know, operating with. And, um, so we did get some designs done. Yes. Um, great. Yeah. Which brings a bit of consistency, I think, in terms of the visuals. 
Yeah, hundred percent, and and definitely feeds into the marketing strategy as well, right? Because obviously, yeah. when you launch, it's it's just trying out different spaces to to see where you can really get some traction then and speak to your customers. So, in terms of the social channels, then do you guys uh, are you across all of the channels, or do you focus on on one? We focus on um, three really, um, basically Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. LinkedIn's a fairly new one. We we hit. To begin with, it was just Facebook and Instagram. And I think, you know, given this wasn't our area of expertise, you kind of want to limit the number of things you focus on. Mm-hmm. So that's why we just didn't didn't go for Twitter, for example. Maybe we will in the future. I'm sure we will in the future. Um, but we've kind of thought that, that LinkedIn's the next one to add. We've kind of added that in the, in the most recent rebrand because we've got quite a few, um, you know, like companies who are, who are, who are customers now. And, mm-hmm. and that's, you know, an area we've, we've been been working in uh, increasingly so it just seemed like a sensible one to add um to the to the list cool and in terms of marketing activities then um and you know you've mentioned that you you guys are pretty active on social um what have been some of the i guess the highest performing marketing activities or channels that you guys have gone after today um I think it's probably a fairly boring answer. The, the main yeah. two that we've used are Google and, and Facebook. Yeah. Um, like you know, most most com- you know most tech companies, um, and we, one of our you know internal criticisms is that we that we left acquisition too late um, mm-hmm. because it took so long to serve customers at the beginning. Um, we had demand um, from you know just a sprinkling of Facebook ads in the beginning was 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 effective uh, at keeping us at capacity. Yeah. So we've had to manage capacity um, for the first, certainly for the first 18 months. That was something we had to be very careful with. And, and, and basically we were at capacity um, without putting too much effort into it. And that changed about um, a year ago um, when we um, started investing more heavily in both of those channels. So PPC and, uh, and Facebook and, um, you know, we've, you know, both have been successful to varying degrees. Yeah. Um, because you know it's also this it's competitive and it's quite seasonal um so we found that some um you know some channels are more effective at different times interesting when you say seasonal so of course there's over winter time people go skiing over summertime people go to the beach and to hotter countries um yeah. and maybe vice versa so what is actually the more popular season for you guys um yeah so for us we initially launched with the ski holidays because it was September mm-hmm. and we were all skiers. Um, and, and Tom used to run a, um, university, uh, ski company. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it also kind of lent itself quite well to the service because if you book a ski holiday, you are used to emailing someone. Um, so chatting to someone kind of makes sense where sometimes if you, if you're just booking a, you know, a hotel, you might just go online and, and then just book it. Um, so we launched with ski holidays and, um, as a result that, that is still our biggest um our biggest sort of business area sure um, i'd say that's that's still at least sort of 50 percent of last year um and then after that um corporate like company offsites yeah um, stag and hen um weekends uh, <laughs> and um yeah it was fun and uh just just like groups of friends who want to go away for the summer together yeah basically. Well, and does a lot of that demand come over the summer for the ski holidays or does it come more over the, the winter time? No, it builds, it builds up to um, a crescendo in around um, October, November. 
Okay. Um, and then gradually, you know, most people have booked their trips um, mm. by the time you get to the actual ski season. Sure. Um, so yeah, I mean, you'll, you'll have, cause it, big groups, um, you know, they kind of need to book earlier. So they'll start coming in, in, in sort of May, as early as May and June, but really the big months are the autumn months. Yeah. That's super interesting. Um, so in terms of like social channels, I get it. You guys are, you guys are out on the, the stand, like Facebook, Instagram, and you do a lot of PPC marketing, um, which is pretty cool for acquisition, especially, you know, when you're ready to book a holiday, the first thing you do is go to Google and start doing your research yeah. there. So that's a, a great, pe- great place to, to access um, people with intent. But do you guys do a lot of um, organic content? So do you put out um, maybe guides and things like that? For, to, to draw people into a, I guess, a, a customer journey and just some brand touch points and build up that awareness. Yes, we do. Uh, it's like general SEO has been um, a big focus over the past. So a big focus over the last three or four months. Um, before that, just something of a focus and not, Yeah. you know, it's, it's, you're always trying to find what to prioritize. Um, uh, but yes, we, you know, we've added loads of, you know, really useful content around, um, you know, orga- how to organize a group trip and um, you know ski holidays destinations same with stag and hen um, mm. and that you know is it's just so important in travel because yeah. you know paid acquisition is expensive and it just continues to get more expensive yeah so that kind of organic um traffic base it needs to grow really the yeah yeah and it takes time for seo to kick in as well have you started yeah. i mean it if you've started over the past three or four months i guess i guess this is this could be considered a good or a bad time to start, depending on how you look at it. Of course, we're going through the, the COVID pandemic at the moment. However, you know, maybe that provides the, the platform for people to take a step back from actually booking straight away and spending more time doing research in which the search um, queries or, or volumes for you know, these guides and organic pieces of content that you're putting out there may actually increase in demand. Yeah. I'm not sure. Like how, how have you? I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, SEO is a really tricky one, especially I think, you know, if you're, you can always kind of do it a little bit. Um, but unless you specifically focus on it, um, you're not going to be able to compete with those guys who are, you know, once or twice a day putting out that super long form or relevant content, right? It's, uh, it's a really tricky thing. So uh, that's really interesting. So I guess considering COVID, considering the lockdown, um, what do you guys have on the roadmap? What do you guys have on the, the agenda for the future for PACT? Um. Well, I mean, from a business perspective, we kind of want to get towards um, profitability in the short term because there's yeah. concern over the, the, you know, the, the appetite for investment in the travel industry. Mm-hmm. Um, although, you know, travel will on long, long term come back. Um, yeah. You know, people aren't going to stop wanting to travel. Um, in the short term, we think, you know, the safest play is to just get towards profitability. So it's that. So it's focusing on, um, you know, providing great content and encouraging people to book for next ski season. Um, and then, and then beyond, you know, stag and hens, there's a lot of canceled weddings this year. Um, next year is going to be hectic for those we think. Um, and, and then, so that's the, we've still got the two areas of the business. That's a big focus. And then the other is just working on the app, um, finding improvements. We've just done a, a load of user testing, which we're talking through this cool. afternoon, actually, um, just making it easier, more intuitive, um, and, 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 and we're also planning not to leave 
because we launched that in, in in right at the end of 2019 so it was we only had a couple of months before um COVID-19 hit so we haven't really begun to test acquisition on that yeah um front um so um those two things are kind of um well those three things yeah it's, it's getting the app working getting the business you know working um mm-hmm. and, you know providing holidays booking holidays and, and, and helping people you know book with confidence um and um beginning to test acquisition on the app cool um so just before we wrap it up then um taking a bit more of a, a personal view or dive into your journey over the past few years i guess sounds like it's been i mean it, it always is for most entrepreneurs an absolute roller coaster of ups and downs and wins and losses so you know um with that in mind, are there any like key points you could distill out of that journey um, for the audience? You know, for anyone who's thinking about starting up their own um, tech company or, or, or startup, um, you know, or people who are maybe just in a similar position to you, they're in the trenches, they're battling with you know the after effects of, of COVID and stuff like that. Are there any uh, pieces of advice you could give? Um... I don't know about advice. I mean, we we, you yeah. know, we we haven't successfully scaled to millions of users yet. Um, sure. But I think looking back, the things that have helped us get to where we are, um, a couple of things. One is is having really good advisors. Um, we've got a couple of uh, non-execs who um, have ex- you know exited a business in the past and have like helped guided us, given us guidance throughout. You know, right since 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 right at the start, really, um, and they helped to keep us focused um and 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 we just would not be where we are if it wasn't for them and um and the other thing is you know you've got just so many things you could focus on um but you've only got so many people and so much time so really thinking about which ones you want to focus on and then just diving in on those and and just being willing not to focus on on the other stuff yeah i think is 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 crucial and and you know once you get into that mindset you just make more progress because otherwise you, you focus on too many different things and none of them really become a building block for the future. They're all kind of just ticking over doing okay. Because you focus on one thing and do it well um, for an extended period. And um, one, it's more satisfying because you, you're not so sp- split in your mind. Um, but two, if you, you know, you're more likely to do it properly, um, you know, move the needle and, um, and it becomes a building block that you can build on in the future. Incredible. Cool. And one more question I I would like to squeeze in there. So you mentioned that uh, advisors are very, very important. So for example, in your case, did you have a network of those advisors when you launched the business or did that come gradually as you were, you know, reaching out to people and maybe, you know, expanding that network? Uh, So, I mean, certainly didn't have a ready-made network, um, but and in fact, the two, the two um, advisors that we've got, Matt and Martin, they, they, um, we're still not there's debate about whether they found us or we found them um, but we, didn't, we didn't know them beforehand and we just had a, a meeting um which was which was great and uh and so that you know kind of happened by chance but we were looking we were we were seeking out um you know guidance basically from people who've, mm-hmm. who've been there and done it and, and that is you know you've just got to do that i think unless you're yeah. a genius yeah. um, <laughs> and um and then, you know, apart from that, in terms of advice on different aspects of the business, like marketing and things, um, just no, again, not really ready-made. You know, friends worked in marketing, um, friends worked in various things, and people you, know, you can ask them and get introductions. And 
or kind of just you know recognizing a problem and then just seeing if you know anyone who might be able to help you solve it mm-hmm. so a huge thank you to pact for speaking to us you can find them online at pact.co or follow them on instagram at all full stop pact you're listening to the digital spaceship podcast a marketing journal by blue drop studio a digital marketing and creative content agency based in london uk We're on a mission to grow the tech brands of tomorrow with creative content and social media advertising. Check us out on LinkedIn and bluedropstudio.com or hit us up on social at HeyBlueDrop on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. Your hosts are at Anna Rowinska and at Omar K. Juman. If you want to talk about digital marketing for your brand, drop us a line at hello at bluedropstudio.com. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.